And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far out of have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 45 of the Roundtable, the only podcast that can be personally responsible for the Rays losing three games. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough and Mark Craig. Uh, gentlemen, how you doing? Let's start with Andy. <coughs> Shrink the schedule. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We were, no, uh, we were kind of on the... Uh, I like the Rays. No, no, I think I they're good. They're going to make the playoffs. But, just, you know, now that they've played like, like a team that, you know, isn't terrible. Mark, how you doing? I mean, the Rays have got one loss in America, so <laughs> I think they're right on track. What's the personally. exchange rate there? Right. So, like, really, what were the, I mean, good Lord, what do we got? Like, one and a half losses, really, for them? Yeah, I like that. That's that's sabermetrics. <laughs> that is sabermetrics. That's some next level stuff right there. Yeah, but that loss was to the Reds. That counts for two. I mean, what are we doing? Why are that's a fair point. Playing the Reds in <laughs> April. Manfred! The unbalanced schedule, I thought I wouldn't notice, but I notice. It's oh, yeah. weird. It's a little, it's a little, or is it balanced schedule now, right? That's the way it the is. The balanced schedule, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. balanced schedule. It's a balanced schedule. Uh, it definitely is. You're like, that's a weird matchup. And, you know, I'm not one of, the, like, I grew up with interleague, so it's never, be, you know, it's never been, like, that strange to see the Yankees play the Braves or something. But there are some where you're like, oh, wow, that's a, it's kind of odd for this time of year. Yeah, I, I think Reds Rays is like at the top of huh. That those don't usually that is that is a you peanut butter. You never think about jobs. those two. T- yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that Mariner Cub matchup is just dripping with history. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you know some of those are a little. But actually, I love the weird matchups. Don't get me wrong. Like I like the balanced schedule. I am in favor of the balanced schedule. Um, there's only so many times you can see Giants Rockies in a season. Take that from me. Um, but uh, yeah, so we are, uh, you know, we are going to take a little spin around the NLS because we were pitching ideas to each other about this episode and we just kept bringing up uh, NLS teams. We'll go to other places in the world uh, after that, but I don't know, NLS, Diamondbacks fever, Valley fever, catch it. Don't catch Valley Fever. It's very bad for you, which I learned. I thought it was like a joke when I saw that Ike Davis had it. I was like, you know, 
and I was covering the Mets and there was a story Marty Noble had that he had Valley fever. And I was like, what does it mean? He had like a tough time hitting this winter. And no, it was like a real illness. It was very serious. Yeah. The D-backs are very interesting, right? They're frisky. That's a, that's a good word for them, right? Fris- they're frisky. They're young. They're, you know, they're rel- willing to mix it up. Uh, they've got a lot of intriguing young players. Corbin Carroll obviously comes to mind. Very fast young man. They've got some interesting arms. Um, their brand has always been competence, right? They're a team that catches the baseball. They're a team that goes first to third. They're a team that doesn't beat itself, right? That's when in their sort of – in the Tori Lovello, uh, Mike Hazen era, that's kind of been – who they are. They're getting back to that a little bit. And I think they're capitalizing uh, and look, it's whatever, 17 games, but like you're seeing kind of a more tightly packed NOS because the Dodgers uh, look weaker than they've been in quite some time and the dads can't get out of their own way which is, you know, if you were drawing up like what this season might look like, right? Like this is a non-shocking outcome. Yeah. I mean, I had to, before the season, I wrote uh, one of those intensely research pieces, uh, 10 <laughs> predictions for the Giants. And one of them had to do with, I, uh, Diamondbacks coming. Diamondbacks are coming. And what, what stands out to me is when you look, they're 10 and 7 as of uh, this recording. They are doing okay. They're doing fine. They're not like blowing the, the doors off the league. But what stands out to me is how much is not going right for them, where you've got Christian Walker not hitting. Kettle Marte is doing okay. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of different players, Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, their young outfield, a lot of them are not hitting. And that's a big deal because the issue is supposed to be pitching. Can they pitch? And Zach Allen's looking great. Merrill Kelly's looking great. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a name for the first time. They've got Brandon Fat in the in the in the wings. You know him, him Brandon Fat. He's like the, he's like one of the best prospects in baseball. I should probably we're know gonna, how to. We're gonna we're gonna look this up and get to the bottom of this gentleman. Are you Bre- okay, Bre- Brendan? Are you choking? Oh wow! Oh wow! This is a tough one. Yeah, oh. yeah. No, I'm not. Uh, you know, Baseball Reference wow. helped me out. Pronunciation. Wow. Fought. No, I'm not gonna yeah, get that. Okay. Brandon no, fought. He- like, I'm not going to get that in the first time. Sorry, man. You're going to be Brandon. That kid was called Brandon Fat his entire life. Yeah. And he grew up He grew up to be like a star baseball player, and they were still like, yeah, you're still Brandon Fat, buddy. <laughs> That's probably what drove him. That yeah. kind of <laughs> drive is kicking the shit out of people. They called him Brandon <laughs> Fat. There's, guy, there's kids from his high school in Louisville who be like, yeah, I remember Brandon Fat. Oh, fatty. Oh, fatty fat. <laughs> no, but, you know, they've got... <laughs> They got fought in the wings, uh, and so they can throw a, a rotation at you. Whenever a team like this is surprising, I love to look at what's not going right for them. And to me, it feels like there is more ceiling for the D-backs. Yeah, I mean, like you look at their offense right now, nobody's hitting. And it's just not going to stay that way. And, you know, maybe I'm just one of these. See, I bought into the Jake McCarthy fantasy hype. Oh, this guy's going to steal a bunch of bags and all this crap. (laughs) You know, he hasn't gotten on base enough to do that. And he's already been caught once. Um, But like, so I'm just going to use him as the avatar for the entire club. There's no way this guy is on basing 264 the rest of the year. And like, and he's actually, you know, seriously, he is sort of one of those guys that we... We've talked about them in these terms like they're dynamic, they're young, they got legs, they're going to be a pain in your ass. Jake McCarthy's that guy if you know he's getting on base and doing what he's supposed to do. So, you know, another one to look out for, Cattell Marte. I just don't think he's going to stay down this long. You know, he's hit a couple homers and, and you know, he's, he's, he's had his moments, but like, you know, you figure it's in there, right? Somebody like that will rediscover 
um, what we saw a couple of years ago with him. So, yeah, like I, I'm still all the way on board with our Diamondbacks fever from our season preview. I think that uh, this probably says something about Grant's personality versus my personality, right? Like I look at all the guys who aren't hitting and I look at the pie thag and then I think that it's 17 games and I'm like, yeah, they're still going to win 77. Uh, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But but like you can see where if they're going to level. I think it's just I am curious to see for how long they stay above water while the Padres and the Dodgers are trying to figure stuff out. Because, you know, if you bet on the talent, both those clubs will do so. But there's definitely some troubling signs there. Let's get into that. So let's go dads. It seems like you are uh, on the Padres uh, scene as far as uh, you're you're scoping them out. And you're saying, yeah, if it doesn't work, it's going to not work out like something like this. They're, you know, Juan Soto. Uh, what the, in the world? The next Ted Williams uh, or <laughs> the next Mark Reynolds, right? Like, you know, we're, what's with the average? You know, I know it's 2023. We're not supposed to look at batting average, but my word. I was talking to, uh, I was talking to a baseball guy's opinion I, I trust, and he said it was interesting when he watches Soto that he finds him like almost passive at the plate, almost like sometime he comes up looking to walk, which like, eh, you know, I don't know. I don't think that's actually what's going on, but there definitely, if you watch his at-bats, there are, you know, pitches where you're like, oh, that ball probably could have been in the seats, right? If like it was properly timed up or like, oh, that's interesting that he took there. You know, no, on the count's 2-1 now, right? And he just seems very clearly like out of sorts. He's rolling over a lot of stuff. You know, he's trying to kind of pull everything, isn't really, you know, staying back on the baseball, all that kind of stuff. It it turns out it's possible that turning down half a billion dollars has can be kind of challenging. <laughs> For you, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Um, but it is interesting, like, right, like there was sort of this idea, even last year, right, when, when he was getting traded, there had been all this sort of talk about Soto for so long as the next Ted Williams, as this batting champ and all this stuff. And, you know, you talk to people in the sport who are like, look, he's awesome, clearly. But also, like, he's got an 850 OPS. He's not much of a fielder. And, you know, there are some concerns. And it's been a bit of time since he really was, you know, a top 10 hitter in the sport in terms of output, right? I mean, you're talking, you go back to 2021, the first four years in his league, he's 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. He has a 981 OPS in those four years. That's bananas. So if like, if you're scoffing now at the next Ted Williams stuff, remember what he was when he was 19, you know, he was just so advanced. And since then, uh, you know, not not as much. But again, it's we're talking a season and change since then. I don't know what's going on necessarily with him, uh, but it's it's fascinating because it, it's a tricky spot for the Padres because they they love to lock them players up, like they love to just you know throw half a billion dollars at these guys and and keep them keep them in in tow for a long time. Uh, he, you got to see a little bit more from Soto. Again, eighteen games. You know, what are you gonna do? I think you do hit, though, at the one thing where it kind of counts a little bit, right? It kind of matters a little bit, right? Like when you're trying to potentially lock somebody up to a long-term deal, boy, it would sure be a bit easier if he'd like looked like he did a couple years ago right about now. You know, I, I just it just makes everything easier on that front. Now, this is the thing, and you guys have referenced this already. We talk about age a lot, obviously. It, it's important in the sport. He's 24, 
right? So like if, if you have a person to bet on where it's like, you know what, there's plenty of time for this to course correct. Like he's the guy, right? Like, and I think that's worth noting too, is that my goodness, how much has this guy already accomplished and he's not 25 yet? Meanwhile, you got, you know, all the prospect hype machine goes crazy. Someone gets promoted at 25 years old. They haven't done anything yet. They haven't done a damn thing. This guy's got a World Series ring. This guy's already drawn those comps. He's had massive seasons. He has been a top 10 hitter in the sport. Man, somebody that talented and that young, it's just never that far off, right? So, yeah, it, it's that, I think that's the thing I look at. It. It's like, yeah, grant you the fact that, like, it's been a bit, right? It's been a minute, but, like, He's still, to me, a relatively safe bet to figure it out. He will be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great point. I mean, you know, you get the you hear the hype on like sort of older players. I swear, I was just listening to some dumbass talk about twenty five year old Jake McCarthy. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to <laughs> almost where. got him. Almost got him. Um, <laughs> almost got the spit take. It almost. Very close. I didn't call him a top ten hitter in the league. <laughs> All right, for control. <laughs> Called it, I call I, I I in fact ripped myself for buying into the fantasy hype. Yeah. Oh, this guy's gonna steal a bunch of bags, man. He's a, so undervalued. You gotta get him. Like well, yeah, he's apparently a very nice look. young man. Um, he's a one, according to Nick Picaro. Yeah, yeah, friend of the pod. I get that the Padres have made it a habit of signing all these guys. You also don't have to do that. <laughs> I mean, I know that, uh, oh, man, please, I hope everyone who's listening covers their ears while I say this because it's so anti-labor. But, like, yeah, you, ju- you can just ride it out. You're getting shades of uh, Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard and Chase Utley clanking around? Or just, I, look, most likely Fernando Tatis will be a bargain for the Padres over the course of his contract, right? Like most likely, we'll, we'll talk about Tatis in a minute, right? He'll come back and he'll probably be a pretty good player. He's always been a pretty good player when he's healthy. But he also hasn't really been much of a player for the Padres since they started, since they signed him to that contract. Now, like the deal will probably work out, right? But there was big risk in there. And if he continues on the path that he's been on, where he's suspended and hurt, that they might regret that sort of deal. Uh, so there is value in just kind of playing things out and gathering more information and seeing if Soto gets out of this. I don't think there's anything like untoward or, you know, in doing that. But I don't know. I'm not, I've never owned a baseball team. Well, not with that kind of attitude you have. But, <laughs> uh, so let's let's move on to Tatis because I guess the subject is uh, preternaturally talented young players with a string of 900 plus Jesus OPSs. Brian. Uh, Tatis' juice to return uh, is the Chiron. Uh, Tatis is, he kind of follows, uh, at least in production, uh, Soto's path, where just a monster until the end of 2021, and then a little bit of a mystery. Mystery for different reasons. They took away his can of spinach, ostensibly, so you're hoping that uh, he'll be the same player, I think, probably. You know, he'll be, what is he, 24 now? And if healthy, a monster. If healthy. Uh, if healthy, you know, what do you know about Tatis? No one knows about Tatis as far as the health. It's not a question of if he's currently healthy, right? Like he made it through spring training. He's been raking in the minors. He looks good, you know, saying all the right things. Um, You know, the bases may, uh, you you know, his game might be even more dynamic, right? If he's running more, but the, but the issue is just, he has tended to get hurt. 
right? He said the back stuff, there was motorcycle accident, you know, he's had the lingering shoulder thing, you know, he's coming back from the shoulder surgery. I think there was a wrist in there too, possibly. There's just been a lot of stuff. So it's not like, I don't view it as a, like, if you think about like Giancarlo Stanton, right? He just went on the, he just went on the IL with a uh, soft tissue, lower body. It's like, yeah, that is just kind of what happens with Stanton at this point, unfortunately. Tatis, you can't exactly pinpoint it, but he's just kind of been under a cloud, you know, in some ways. Uh, and so it'll be curious to see if he can stay out of that, if he can if he can stay healthy. He's never done it. He's never done it in the majors. There's also just the time missed component, right? Like that's a long time to be just away from facing major league competition. You figure that just on time alone, even with his incredible ability, uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm with Andy, I'm convinced he's healthy, right? Like, he's, he's looked good in the minors. But still, that's just a long time to catch up, right? Like, those are reps that are gone. Those are at-bats that are gone. Those are opportunities to get better. And he's certainly still in a phase of his career, this is crazy, where he can get better, Right. And, and, and it hasn't happened because he, has, he hasn't posted. He hasn't played. I think for a bit here, you know, it would probably, probably be wise if you're a Padres fan to build in a little bit of breaking in period here because it's a long time to go without seeing high level pitching. You know, and that's, I think that's what I'm kind of fascinated by is how quickly can he actually acclimate himself? Because I think that is a bigger challenge. It's a big challenge. One that maybe we don't think about because he's got so much ability. I just think it's going to be a while until he gets his feet on the ground, you know, gets up to speed. It, it could take kind of this adjustment period. I would expect him to be ultra aggressive, you know, just he's been he's been waiting, man. He has been waiting. I expect him to be swinging out of his shoes. Maybe it'll work. I, you know, the ultra patient Giants fan base, uh, the first week of the season, Michael Conforto um, wasn't looking good. And it was like, ah, that guy's a bum, man. And it's like, man, this guy has not seen live pitching, you know, other than spring training for a year. And he had a shoulder injury the last time he did see uh, live pitching. So uh, it's going to, I like that that idea. I like that take. There's going to be an adjustment period. And I'm expecting to be aggressive and just, you know, because... He's he likes to play baseball. He has a a certain elan, a certain joie de vivre, and uh, he gets out there and he wants to play. So uh, it'll be fun, but I don't know how much immediate impact he might have. You could pronounce those words, but not fought, <laughs> dude. That <laughs> I'm telling you, old fatty. Grant, what is what is wrong with the Giants? I'm looking at their baseball reference page. Bart's hitting, Flores is hitting, Estrada's been good, JD Davis is hitting, Conforto's fine. The pitching, starting pitching seems okay. And then they're they're five and ten. Yeah, it is so look, they've have a, an adjusted OPS of 102. They have an adjusted ERA of 102. Those are above average. In order to be five and ten. Everything has to go wrong at the worst time. Seriously. Like, <laughs> like yesterday. They had a game like that yesterday, did they not? I mean, yeah, they, that's, absolutely. They just the Marlins. That, that they're cruising. Logan w. Webb's going. Yeah. Logan Webb uh-huh. is, is pitching his, his, his uh, nose his off. off. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, just the last second two outs, uh, I don't know if there are two strikes, but like he's almost out of the inning and then boom, two-run homer to Jesus Aguilar. And it is uh, just one of those things. But here's the thing. No one wants to read that. No one wants to read the words of, of me going, yeah, it's just one of those things. Here's a lot of encouraging things, you know, and start listing. And that's actually the article I'm working on. It's like one nice thing to say about every player on the roster. Didn't Logan Webb yesterday, 
throws a couple like really good change-ups that the Marlins put in play and ends up scoring runs, right? Like on good pitches. Like I mean, he his slider looked really good yesterday. I was watching some of that game and like I'm like, oh hey, there he is, right? There he is because like you know he's had kind of a weird start to the year. Now he's got a, a kind of an iffy lineup and he's carving him up. And then you know and then I I, I stepped away from the game. Okay, like I went something, I got distracted, you know, like I think like Robbie, like had a diaper change or whatever. And I, and I you know, kind of lost track of it. I picked my phone up later on. I'm like, they lost the game. What the hell? How did that happen? They lost the game? Like That's what? how it's gone the, over the weekend of the Tigers. Exactly. The two, two games against the Tigers where you like look up and go, what? What the, what the heck? Um, <laughs> there, I mean, there are problems, legitimate problems, like Ross Stripling. He's got gopheritis right now, and it's not, uh. it's not great. Taylor Rogers is lost, broken, whatever you want to say. He can't throw strikes. He's got a little bit of blast going on, but then he gets – it's like a combination of blasts and then meatballs down the middle, you know, because he's trying to overcorrect. And so he looks messed up. So I'm not going to say everything's rosy in Giants land, but they've got they've got some stuff that's working for them. They're better than a 5-10 and 10 team. I know that's damning with faint praise, but I, I'm not that worried about them as far as, like, not approaching 81 wins. But if you're trying to do more than that, a 5-10 and 10 start kind of stinks and goes against that. So not optimal timing. But no, there are things going well. You mentioned J.D. Davis. He is hitting. He's also fielding the ball. Yes. He's playing really good defense at third base. He had, um, I, when I was watching the game yesterday, I saw him go to his left, backhand a ball, make a nice throw across the dot. Like, I was just like, wow, okay. Like, this is somebody who looks anyway to me. Like, he's put some work in there and it's paying off. So, like, yeah, let's not confuse them with, like, let's say the team across the bay which, where nothing is going right. Um, <laughs> we'll, you know. we'll get there. We'll no, get we'll, there. Oh, we'll get there. Um, and just go. Yeah. Just, Pro- just let it rip. Producer it Brian rip. wants to mention, and he's right, uh, Giants have some injuries. And specifically, two part of their plan, Austin Slater and Mitch Hanniger being hurt. That's the, the part of the roster that's supposed to punish left-handers like a ton mm. um so you've got those two guys missing where you're having to put your strength skin against left-handers maybe lamont wade jr is facing left-handers which he simply doesn't do i don't know i'm not making excuses i think that they're you know kind of okay uh but andy surprises me he's a little bit down on the dodgers and i just watched the dodgers thump the giants but uh talk about talk about your dodger blues they have not found purchase yet as they say, uh, and it is very early. Who says that? I, yeah, who says that? Who said? I've never said that in my life. Never yeah, heard that in my thing. life. Herman no. Melville? Does Herman Melville say like these? They found the purchase. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is that a quote from Billy Budd. What does find purchase mean? Uh, to meet with or discover by chance. So maybe. Yeah, I mean, so that wasn't really what I was trying to convey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. sounded good, man. You had he said people. it convincingly. He sold yeah. me. Yeah, one day I'm going to find purchase a brain. I'll tell you what, man. <sighs> one of these days I'm going to... You ever just like wake up and be like, well, maybe my brain will function today. And it's like, no, got to go watch these poker live streams. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover... Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. If I wake up and go, boy, I sure can't think today. You know what day it is? It's Tuesday. It's podcast day. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go on there and chew my own tongue. All right, go uh, on about Dodgers. I do want to point out that while the bad Rodgers has an 18, the good Rodgers has a zero and combined 5.56. So look at it that way. <laughs> Yeah, the Dodgers, like, I, it doesn't really change how I feel about them long term. I think they're going to win the division. Um, they have a good amount of pitching. But, you know, the offense is just is, it's just shorter. It's just shorter than it's been in previous years. And even the pitching, you know, the bullpen is like a mess, which is not something you're accustomed to. I wrote about this like a, a little bit the other 
like a week or so ago, just kind of going through some of the early bullpen hiccups. They kind of like brought back the same group that they did last year when they had, you know, like one of the two or three best bullpens in the sport, which like makes total sense. But we also know with bullpens that it's just incredibly volatile, right? And you just have to churn. Like this idea that you're going to have the same, your top five guys are going to be the same every year. Even your top three guys are going to be the same every year is kind of, you know, like foolish. And it's not that the Dodgers assumed that, but it's more like players under team control, like no, you know, let's just roll it and see what happens. And right now they're going through this phase where just guys are not performing at the level that they've been accustomed to. And so I think when everyone, when you're assessing the Dodgers coming into this season, I don't know if much ink was spilled on the bullpen because one, it had been really good. Two, it's pretty much the same. And no, who knows, right? Like you could say like, oh, this is going to be a good bullpen. It's like, maybe you could say, oh, I actually think it's going to be bad. Maybe it's a bullpen, right? It's more like you're betting on the organization to figure it out. I assume that they kind of will figure it out, but they haven't yet, and it's cost them some games. Every time when I'm doing like a, a team preview or a season preview, it's like, you know, rotation expectations and lineup expectations, and it gets to bullpen, and I would punt. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, you, you're asking me to know they're going to they're gonna call up some dude in AA right now or some minor league contract who's 28 years old and say, wow, he's the talk of Twitter. He throws a 98-mile-per-hour sink, sinker with a million spin rate. And sh- they'll figure it out, and they prob- the Dodgers probably will figure it out going forward. Like, they're trying to do it with Shelby Miller, right? Shelby Miller, uh, I saw him pitch with uh, the Giants last year, and he he looked good. Like, the, the stuff was there. You're like, I remember Shelby Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dodgers <laughs> saw that, too, and I think he'll figure it out. But there's, like, no guarantee. You don't just, even if you're the Dodgers, like, maybe Shelby Miller is just kind of, you know, a 32-year-old Guy coming back from serious injuries who will never be the same again. So I don't know. Sure. They'll probably figure it out. But as of right now, yeah, concern. Well, you know, Andy listed a couple of things there. The first one being the bullpen. I tend to agree. that That's one thing where you give them some benefit of the doubt because they're the Dodgers. And that's kind of an area that a lot of teams have to figure out as the year goes along. I think the harder thing is how do you lengthen that lineup? That's the one. Like, okay, what what's the fix there? Because, you know, can you see them digging up some arm, making move, whatever? Sure, you can see that. I think you can see that with lots of teams. Uh, lineup length, I don't know, man. Like, that just seems like a trickier problem to solve. And they're going to, they're probably going to have to solve it because, you know, the Padres aren't going to get in their way the entire season, I don't think. Right? I just don't think that's going to happen. So that I'm curious about. That I, I want to see how that shakes out. I will say with lineup length, uh, I'm impressed uh, just all the way by James Outman. Like I, he just seems like he can play and he can hit and he can field. And he's like one of those guys that just shows up for a team like the Dodgers. And then you have to get used to him for a few years. Uh, Miguel Vargas, I think, is uh, like an outstanding young player. So they're working on getting that length back. And I think it was a very concerted effort to you know shift from the Justin Turner aged guys in the lineup. Uh, you know, they, they got J.D. Martinez in there to be the veteran. But I think that they're getting that length back. But there, there are going to be adjustments, and there's certainly no guarantees, which is what they've had for like 10 years running, guarantees. Yeah, they just have more dead spots in the lineup than they used to, um, especially Will Smith on the concussion IL. Like Austin Barnes is obviously a very excellent defensive catcher, but he's just not hitting. Yeah, David Peralta looks cooked. You know, Chris Taylor has just 
it's just really struggled to make contact over the past few years and it doesn't appear to be you know proven i think he's hitting like 125 like tons of whiffs and that just becomes more pronounced right when you go from a lineup that has like seven guys to a lineup with maybe like four and then when smith goes down it's like three you know and so if you know, Freddie Freeman has an off night, right? If Mookie Betts is, you know, like less, you know, is, you know, Mookie Betts is his, his thing has always been right. That he's five tools. He's not a thousand OPS guy. He's one of the best players in the sport because he does everything well. Right. So when he's like 840 OPSing, right. Like that is more pronounced when you have dead spots in the seven, eight, nine role. And when, you know, the bullpen is not holding on for a lot of 3-1 victories. They're, like, their bet on their team was they would find enough version. Like, they thought Vargas would hit. He's been fine, a little bit below average, but he'll probably be fine. Um, they really liked James Outman, um, as we've said. And they just thought they were just going to have so much pitching, right? And there's still some coming in the minors, but, like, the bullpen's just not there yet, and it's cost them a bunch. All right, well, that brings us to the Rockies. Anyways, Mark, you had something you wanted to say on the A's, right? You wanted to cook on the A's. I don't know if I want to cook on the you A's. Want to cook, I, I baby. mean, you know, you want I, to cook the A's. I was, yeah. Oh my god! Now just watching the team over the weekend because the Mets were in town. Guys, I can't remember seeing a worse team in my adult life. Like, and I just I can't remember it because. It's one thing to have a bad baseball team because there are competitive cycles, like you're going to be good some years, not good the others, and sometimes it's part of a plan. I'm watching this team and they're like totally non-competitive, all right? Like the pitching is non-competitive. Like there's nothing to break down here. They suck, all right? They can't even <laughs> throw strikes. Jesus. They're afraid to throw strikes, whatever it is. And it's like, let me let me be clear. I'm not ripping the players. Like, I, I think those guys are out there trying as hard as they can. Like they are. Like there, there's no like, but they've been assembled to be horrific. And that's what they've gotten. And it's horrible to watch, all right? Like it's terrible to watch. It, it Because you just don't even, what's the end game to all of this? Like, yes, they want to move, whatever. I keep hearing this is Major League. Major League was fun. All right. There was it was a fun movie and there are people you wanted to root for. It was interesting. This isn't fun. This isn't interesting. All right. It's non-competitive, terrible baseball. They're going to lose 120 games potentially. And that, that sounds crazy, but that is how bad they are right now. Like I mean, and to me like this isn't some weird small short season or small sample what. No. They're not good. They're really bad as a matter of fact. And you know, I I was in my mind just like, who's even in the conversation? Like what the the proto or the the pre, you know, tanking Astros? Like even before they broke it all down because they were horrific then, right? When they had literally a zero point zero TV rating at home, right? Like the Tigers, Alan Trammell, that group, like right? Was it? I think he was managing the club then. Like they were horrific. Like the Oakland A's right now might be worse. And those are the only other two teams that came to mind as far as who's even in the conversation for worst teams I've seen since I've been watching baseball. I'm not going to cook. Yeah, you just cook, man. You just cook, baby. No, listen, uh, Ken, Ken Waldachuk is one of five Oakland starters who has made at least three starts. Uh, he has a 10.20 ERA. That's third best on the team. There are three starting pitchers with an ERA over 10. They aren't striking batters out. 
they are walking a lot of batters. That's a really rough combination, especially in the modern game where like anyone can strike batters out. You're supposed to be able to find just arms in AAA. Maybe they'll never throw strikes or maybe they'll give up all the home runs in the world, but they'll at least strike these hungry hitters out and the A's aren't doing that. I misspoke earlier when I said that uh, Jesus Aguilar, by the way, uh, hit that home run against Logan Webb. It was uh, Jorge Soler. I see that because now I'm looking at the A's roster. Plays for the and, Oakland A's. <laughs> and uh, woof, woof. You know what I mean? Yes, woof is right. You know, it's interesting you reference the Astros, right? So the, the, the Lunau Astros, right, cut to the bone. Like just, just he inherits, right, a bit of a wreck of a team, right? We, you know, we all know Evan Drellick. We've read the book, whatever. We know the story. But they cut to the bone everything. Right. And it's the idea of getting efficient, getting this, getting that, you know, bringing in these processes and they're going to tank and get these top picks. Right. I wonder if like with the A's, it's harder to see the end game if only because they were already at the bone. Right. They were already like not spending. They were already they didn't have crowds. They already the baseball operations department, to their credit, right, had built this kind of preposterous machine that could kind of churn out like you know 88 to 95 win teams for almost you know 20 years right maybe even a little bit longer than that uh and but doing it like on a shoestring right and it's kind of like okay so you're still on a shoestring even maybe maybe just what's one singular shoestring not shoestrings but like okay you move to vegas and then what like are you gonna be like the a's again you know what I mean? Like you're going to be like the Moneyball A's where like you're doing roster churn and all the stuff that was basically working until you stopped making it. Like what? It's just kind of hard to – I don't know. And what I'm saying is making sense. Like I, I understand why they have done this like hard tank. I obviously don't like think it's a great idea. But it just seems like less like, oh, this is the obvious thing we had to do. In the way that, like the Cubs or the Astros, you it made more sense. The sport really is divided into two buckets. There are the organizations, whether you agree with the plan or not, they have one, right? Like they're they're operating with like you know the base level capacity as far as like your front office analytics, scouting, all that, right? Like and. They, you know, they might have a, you might have a different opinion on what a competitive window is or what it's going to come or whatever, but like they are operating kind of within those parameters. Then there's the other bucket where it's just like they're throwing darts at a board, like the Colorado Rockies, right? You're just like, what are they doing, right? The Oakland A's have gone from one bucket yeah. to the other. They yeah. make no sense. By at choice. All. By, By choice. choice. Yeah. By choice. So it's offensive, it's horrific. I feel bad for those players. I feel bad for those coaches. I feel bad for the fans that pretty much every night is just pissing all over what was, despite all their limitations, a franchise that was making it or trying to make it work, at least on the field. All right. Now, historically, this is sort of what they've been. All right. Like, I think the athletics as, a, as like an entity for the entirety of the American League is fascinating because... If you've been watching him, this is nothing new. 1979, they had a game, I think, where they had like 300 people in the stands. Charlie Finley was trying to move the club or sell the club. And when you talk about cutting to bare bones, the Houston Astros 
have nothing on Charlie Finn. <laughs> because, like, it got to the point where there wasn't even anyone answering the phones at the ballpark. All right? Like, I mean, this, these are all, it's well documented. It's all true. The athletics have always had this boom and bust. I think what has been interesting about them over the last 20 some years, as, as Andy mentioned, is that despite that, they found a way to make it work until they chose not to. And, like, it, it really, it's brutal. You know, the, the fans of the East Bay are going to get scapegoated for this, and it's total bullshit. This is an owner deciding that enough is enough. I'm not going to try anymore. And I think the infuriating thing is like, you don't even know what the end game is. Because yes, okay, you move to Las Vegas and then what? More of this? More of this crap? No, I think the game plan is at that point, you sell to Sheldon Adelson. Like I just Googled, does Sheldon Adelson I'm like baseball? positive he's passed away. If not, uh, I'm sure he's got uh, kids. You know, or uh, heirs or something or other. Like, I think the game, what I'm saying is that the end game is that uh, you sell the team if you're John Fisher. You are trying to build up this value, get the hot new shiny ticket in the city that is uh, uh, an abomination of nature and shouldn't exist um, by all, you know, good measures. But, man. Selling the team to a dead man would make more sense than what they're doing. (laughs) I just. (laughs) There's just this. Stupid narrative that goes around that like the it, like the the region can't support the club, and I think it's nonsense because if you look at the one time in the history of the Oakland Athletics where they did it the right way, spent money on players, reached out to fans, had good like broadcast contracts in place, like made the stadium experience really good, they drew and they won a lot, a lot. Candlestick Park was a fucking toilet. All right. It was a toilet with mediocre to bad baseball. And across the bay, the A's field teams full of stars and people came. All right. And it was a nice ballpark to be in. That to me is the thing that drives me crazy about this is that they've set it up so you can like continue to repeat this stupid, tired narrative about the fans don't support the club. And it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's, it's always been nonsense. They have an AM station. That, so Brian, producer Brian says they don't have a local real estate. Greg's yelling at everyone. Yeah. All right? He said like, he wasn't going to cut. They were supposed to uh, cut it off like three <clears throat> years ago during the pandemic. And like I think they're back on what KNEW or something like that. Am, am I wrong? Like, you know, obviously, I don't know because I'm on the East Coast now, but I've heard him on the radio. All four watts. Grant, here's a question. <laughs> if there was a possum living in the walls of your house, how long would you let it live there? Uh, this is a funny question because there is a, a rat somewhere living in my walls right now. Okay, I picked my my picked. I never. It's what's that attorney's thing? Never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and I I got some strategies. I got some strategies, uh, but I haven't necessarily sealed the deal. So I don't know, man. The possums kind of you know possums can be cute in their own weird, ugly way. Uh, I say it's just a bobblehead day, right? That'll get the fans back. There is kind of a Last of Us quality to Oakland Coliseum, right? Like it's overrun <laughs> by feral cats. The visitors broadcast booth that SNY just showed up and the, the possum had taken a dump in the middle of it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Gary Cohen called it the possum leavings. Leavings, yeah. yeah so good. Leavings of the possum. The you know, there's just seagulls overrunning, which, you know, that happens in San Francisco as well um, because they're proximity to the bay. But, like, there was, I was watching, they were playing the Mets and, like, the upper, you know, Mount Davis was just, like, overrun with seagulls in the middle of the day. Like, there is a, you know, nature is healing aspect to the land reclaiming Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> it is 100% true. And then that's tomorrow. Mark's point, when I was growing up, 
man, Oakland was the place you felt really jealous of. That, as a Giants fan growing up, I went to, you know, 30 games at Candlestick Park every year, and I'd go to two in Oakland, and you'd go there and just be like, woo-hoo, ain't this pretty? Look at this. There's, you know, it's not, it's it's temperate. It's You take Bart right there. You walk in. It's just like a good time out. The team's got stars. The, the, the stands are full. Like, they have it all. And I just... Like, the vision, imagine if the A's were the Rays. I mean, you know, had that kind of that kind of uh, uh, pitching, you know, conveyor belt going. If they had, they if were. they were trying. They were. They were. Right. The Rays became the A's. They were. The A's became. The Rays uh, took the what A's the A's are doing. I mean, the, the A's what were the, the Jays. <laughs> no, but like no, but seriously, to that point that when the A's were the Moneyball A's, it was a fun time out. It was a fun. They time were the out. Moneyball A's like two and a half years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Just kept making the playoffs. But that's they what won they did. the division in 2020. You know? They won like 97 games in 18 and 19. Like they had a very good team. Now, like they happened to you know from geographic uh, bad luck, they played with the Astros. Right. So, you know, they were sort of overshadowed, but like from I think it was, uh, you know, seven or 18 through 20, that was a very good club. And they were coming off a run in the earlier part of the decade where they were very good as well. Like they were that. They just stopped being it. As Mark said, they went from a team that, if you agree with it or not, they had a way of doing things that worked to this new strat. Like, yeah, the end game is just so much harder to visualize it's almost giving them too much credit to call it a strategy i don't know what this is like i just you know like i said uh, look baseball's hard right it's very hard to play at a high level i'm not trying to poke fun at the dudes on the field that are trying to win games i know they're trying to win games like but you know those folks have been put in this horrific position it's been done on purpose and i just i think it's a shame like it's a real shame we just shouldn't have clubs being like operating this way i'm sorry you just you can't have it and what i would say is is that uh, i have my my finger on the pulse of the, of my own community uh, is that this area is freaking hungry for a team to root for warriors moved to san francisco the raiders are gone to vegas you could do what the padres did the padres were a joke a couple years ago but all of a sudden they don't have any other sports teams uh, the big four and then the padres see that opening and say we're going to be the sports team we're going to get people goofy for this team and they did it the petco park is goofy for the padres I'm not saying that the A's could have, with the current ballpark, been drawing 40000 a night, but they really could have laid some groundwork because it's a rich area that wants to be goofy for a team. How do you screw that up? It's amazing. And they've been in Oakland, by the way, as long as they've been in Philadelphia as a franchise. Like, I mean, so this is not a thing where, like, they should be looked at as transient. They've been there, and they've been there for a really long time. They are part of the region. They are part of the area. Yeah, the Giants have a bigger fan base. They always will. But that doesn't mean the A's don't have one, too. You know, despite the fact that it seems like folks who have owned that club for the majority of the 50-plus years they've been in Oakland have tried to drive fans away, all right? I mean, Charlie Finley, like, actively tried to drive fans away. They didn't draw a million fans in 72, 73, or 74 when they won the World Series. Didn't get to a million any of those years. Now, why? All right? Well, the radio station was run out of UC Berkeley. That's one. 
All right. Like he, you know, Charlie Finley again, like it was just like almost like wanted to be out of there as soon as he landed. So you're so saying like, the radio station was too woke? Was t- wow. <laughs> whoa. That took a turn. No, I did not say that for the Go record. Woke, but broke. like, that, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Whoa. I just, I just. Regurgitating I hope, internet catchphrases. I hope that someday. <laughs> In the near future, producer Brian can pr- can get together a transcript of this, so Mark can just finally finish this book proposal about the A's that he like very clearly has written in his head. He just can't connect it to his fingers to type it out. Uh, Mark Cook, let Mark Cook. ADHD no. is a messed up thing, fellas. For, for, for the people uh, who are listening to the podcast version, not the YouTube version, uh, what makes this even better is that Mark has a, a very bespoke. Philadelphia Athletics jacket on. That looks like is it an Ebbets Field flannel? Boy, you are good. Because that sure is. Those babies, you don't just pick those up at the Goodwill for five bucks. No, it was not five bucks. It's very comfortable though. It, it's like <laughs> perfect for today. Chilly out. It's cloudy in New Jersey. A um, little bit chilly. Perfect thing to be wearing right now, especially as I cook. That is that is a sharp jacket, man. That's a sharp you. jacket. All right. Uh, this has been. Uh, I'd like to first off apologize to the widow of Sheldon Adelson. Uh, he is apparently dead. Has been for a couple oh, he years. Has? Yeah, yes. Yeah. He was gonna buy the, like I googled uh, richest people in Vegas, and he popped up, and then I said uh, Sheldon Adelson like baseball, oh. and then it popped up that he was maybe interested in the Mets. But he's dead. He's dead. There are other rich people in Vegas. Maybe one of them wants a shiny new toy and to be seen around town. That's that's my overall point. Uh, but yeah, again, apologies to the. Um, <clears throat> Adelson's. All right, this has been episode 45 of the Roundtable. We do this every week now, so we will be back next week to talk about baseball because that is what we do. We will see you then. Candlestick Park was a f***ing toilet. I was very wrong. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.